You have not made a Christmas list, which means I have a lot of shopping I to do. I have to say something. Um, you need to get a lump of coal. <laughs> I've already started buying him stuff, but he hasn't asked for anything. Black orange with mold all over. It. Oh my goodness! Well. He just he just keeps saying, "I just want emotional peace for Christmas." Uh, yeah, I said. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the Intentional Parents Podcast, everybody. Um, You're recording. You, yeah, of course I'm recording. This is a Christmas episode. This is this is released on December 21st, which is four days before Christmas. So can we all say it? One, two, three. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas from Intentional. Uh, we're actually sitting in Phil and Diane, your new house. Mm-hmm. You've made it. And yes. it's snowing outside. And it's snowing. It and is. it is freezing cold in this town. <laughs> I love we how warned you. I love how when it's really nice and sunny, it's your town. And when it's cold, it's our town. Exactly. <laughs> I love how that yes. works. That's called and getting you spoiled have... growing up in the Bay Area. That's true. Where it's always 70 and 25 <laughs> minutes from the beach. That's a, that's a lovely. I remember, I remember when I understood that you were... You didn't even move out of that climate until you were in your 40s. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. that makes sense why you would exactly. have an entitlement to nice weather. <laughs> 41, baby. Wow. Yeah. Just always being able to go. Well, uh, today we are it's four days before Christmas and uh, we we just re- last week released our Christmas episode. Uh, but, you know, this is a special day. And one of the gifts we wanted to give you was to hopefully answer your questions because mm-hmm. there's so many people that have sent in questions. So thank you, everybody who's interacted and sent in questions through Instagram and uh, really lots of great questions. Like it's mm-hmm. hard to actually discern. I, I think we more look through them with the eyes of the spirit and go, what should we answer? Cause it's hard to get to all of them. And also, so, you know, any questions that kind of overlap, we try to answer those if they overlap a couple different questions. So, um, thank you for those who also have rated and subscribed and left a comment. That's been so helpful. And please do that if you haven't had a chance. So questions, are you guys ready for this? Phil, Diane. We're ready. Elizabeth. You're not going to give gonna, us any You're going to spring them on us again. Spring, I told you. I sent you a text Yes, I sent you a text yesterday and I said, we're going to do a Q&R and I'm not showing you any of the questions. It's just like we always do. And I didn't get any response. So I figured I was like, There's, they're submitting to this. They're actually all going <laughs> No, along. I didn't notice that. I saw the text, but I just glanced at it. Oh, that's okay. All right. Next time, hopefully, um, next time you'll be able to to look into it more but yeah you guys are in your new house how are you settling how has this been tell me really quick before we we ask, it's answer been questions. a chaotic move okay um we had to move twice we had to go into a rental first and then here yeah so it feels like we've been packing and unpacking boxes for the last six months mm-hmm. but it looks i mean the only boxes you can see out right now are boxes and boxes and boxes of my and fills hundreds and hundreds of books because <laughs> we were getting bookshelves built. So yes, although Lots we still have um, a three car garage, oh, and man. we can't get one car in it yet. So <laughs> but your son, dude, who's son. pretty yeah. strong, is going to help me yes. neaten that up. Yes, yeah, our- we were counting last night how many times we've moved since we got married. It was yes. fifteen moves. Wow. But what hit us is, you know, the ones that where you can just move directly into the yeah. next house are easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, we had more double moves where you yeah. move somewhere and rented for a while and then moved again. Yeah, yeah, which is hard. really messy and really difficult. And this one was that way. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, we're, in, we're, we're happily tired. <laughs> yeah, love the home. It's a home that just begs to have lots of groups of people over for hospitality. Yes. So that's it's a really gift fun. from God. It's beautiful. And yes, we've been thankful. Duke or Scarlett or the two littles come over pretty much every, every single day, day. Yeah. and that is why we. That's, that's why, why we moved <laughs> for ministry <laughs> and family reasons. And I love those morning texts. Birdie and Slum want to come over. Scarlett, can I come over and have tea? Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, well, yesterday you had the kids in shifts. I know the girls yes. came over in the morning. Like, can we go over to Almond Pops house? I was like, yeah, I'll text them. So they, so you got you swung by and got them, Phil. I got them. With while you're taking the dog on the walk, and then, um, and then we had then Duke and Scarlett were there for half the day too, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were here helping oh, yeah. with various yeah. things and grocery shopping. It's yeah, it's been a sweet thing, and I know for it's our family, sweet. it's been a huge gift, and so. Yeah. Thank you for those who followed along with that and prayed along with us and mm-hmm. uh, and helped us move in, uh, yep. specifically Fordices. Thank oh, you so much yeah. for all yes. this. And Without them, we would <laughs> be in trouble. Yeah, Cody yeah. and Dylan and Megan, the crew, like so many people have been so helpful with uh, specifically hanging things and changing out light fixtures and all yeah. the different stuff. So all that stuff. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we realized I was talking to Duke last night, your oldest. Yeah, yeah. 
And he was saying how fun it was for us to live so close. And I reminded him that we had lived next to or really close within 15 minutes always to the Comer kids their mm-hmm. entire lives. And you're talking yeah. about Jude, Moses, yes, Jude, and Sunday. Moses yeah. and Sunday. Yeah. Jude 17 now. And I, I said, know. you know, this would be really hard with mm-hmm. them moved away to Southern California yeah. if it wasn't for you kids. Because now I get to live mm-hmm. within like five minutes of the Moser kids. Five so, minutes. It's, yeah. No, five exactly. Minute it's a four minute walk. Minute. It's a four minute walk. It's a four minute walk. It's a 20 second drive. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, to- the, the kids are constantly being like, do we have to buckle? And it's always like this gray area. Like, I don't, I don't know. No, they I mean, actually what? want to stand up in the back yeah, of the van. We I'm had to put like, a stop to that because then they were like, guys, you're going to die. Over. This is not only illegal, you're going to die. So, well, <laughs> on that note, on the note of death, Merry Christmas, let's talk about some of the questions. So I thought this was a fun one uh, for us to talk about it first. You know, there's going to be some heavy ones, but maybe just a, a little, a, a softball, so to speak. So uh, someone asked, balancing emotional slash physical connection with spouse when overstimulated and touched out. <laughs> <laughs> that is a nursing mother is my guess right there. I so remember those days where you just feel like somebody's always touching me. Oh, I, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I've something. ever experienced, I've never experienced. Me neither. Yeah, I'm not nursing and I still feel that way. <laughs> what does that I think mean? The, I think the ladies should answer <laughs> yeah, this one. I don't, I can't, it's hard for me. I'm relate. on the other end of this. I'm like, what, what's, what's wrong? You don't want to hug? Like, it's not you. <laughs> Even the other night you're like, yeah. I promise it's, it's not you. I just, I just need space. I'm like, I know you need space, but at the same time, like, I feel like I've done something wrong. <laughs> yeah. This yes. is likely not just a young mom, but an introverted young mom, probably. Yeah, maybe. More intro- maybe not. I don't know. Well, yeah, ladies. That makes sense. Um, so is there a question involved or just asked for us to I think what they're asking is that. how do you how do you balance that? How do you balance emotional and physical connection with your spouse when you feel overtouched and uh, and overstimulated? So yeah. yeah, maybe actually just practically what are some things that I know that I know you and we do, Elizabeth, and then maybe some of the stuff mm-hmm. that, that you remember from those times. Because I know mm-hmm. it, it is true. There is a moment where you're just like so, uh, you're so in the parenting. The days are long. Yeah. Um, and by the end of the day, it's not like, oh, I really want to be intimate or close or like, let's let, let me hug you. Like, even if it just comes down to non-sexual things, just interactions. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts if you have any on that. Yeah, well, I think, a couple of things come to mind. First, I can entirely relate. So whoever's asking this question, you are very much not alone. I don't think there's a mom of young kids, especially on the planet who can't relate to that. And I think us introverts maybe feel it a little more intensely, but mm-hmm. I think we all feel it. The constant stimulation and noise mm-hmm. and being on and being touched and or touching them to make sure we're connecting with them and hugging them. Yeah. Um. But then... I also feel like it's intensified by how connected we are to the digital world as well. Mm. Whereas not only do we have this constant stream of information, so to speak, from our kids, feedback, they give us a lot of feedback, a lot of Mm. negative feedback, Mm. a lot of uh, reacting that we're having to do and picking them up and making sure that they don't hurt themselves, especially if you're chasing toddlers around. We have all of that input and noise happening, but then we have our phone constantly getting messages throughout the day or Mm -hmm. taking a minute to escape and look at Instagram, which is just further noise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that I found that that alone, even just the media alone, well, I would say in combination with my just loud house, we have a lot of kids and none of them are very quiet, especially which you actually might hear some today because two are homesick. Yep. And uh, so you might get some interaction from Bertie or Sloan and just be warned um, if that happens. The smallest well, one is the loudest one. <laughs> you'll know. You'll hear. Uh, it. So I think just even being aware and start to notice of yourself. Do you need to take a season? Maybe you're extra overwhelmed by the time your husband, you get time with your husband at night. Maybe try deleting Instagram from your phone or Mm -hmm. setting, using all the screen time apps to set limits around your phone. See if that helps. See if you feel like you have more capacity. I know I had to do that yesterday. I was super overwhelmed with, I just, we had a really intense 
parenting couple of days and I hadn't gotten anything done that I was trying to get done. And I woke up just like, oh my gosh, I have to get a lot done today. And so I immediately, and I'm not always very good at this. I'm actually really bad at it, which is why I had to do it. Immediately picked up my phone and deleted Instagram for the day. It's like, I don't have time to waste today. Yeah, and I but don't then have I saw you sneaking on my stories later at night and I was like, I don't know. I may have reinstalled I like, it at night. I don't night. know if she deleted <laughs> it for the whole day. I actually was trying to look at these questions. I was trying to get a sneak peek at these questions. Um, oh, it's a gateway drug. <laughs> but yeah, I think just like maybe be curious about that. And then I also think being honest. I think so often it can feel like rejection to our spouse because- we just have nothing yes, left. It, yes, it does. Yes. Yes, it does. I know this. <laughs> and I think if we can be honest, especially if our spouse is one who wants to listen and cares, which I think many men are, are good-hearted men, and you can even say, hey, I know that this might feel like rejection to you, and I know that I'm in a season where I am exhausted every night. Thank you for your patience with me. Explain what that feels like. And it's not an excuse to not try things or try to connect, but, you know, so much of conflict and all of that, it just happens in things that we don't say. And so much communication is not verbal, is just in our body language and our facial expressions. And so there can just be a lot left for assumption. And so I think just being really honest, hey, it's really hard to hear noise all day, to be touched all day, to, can you help me creatively think of ways that I could just decompress a little bit and then we connect? Or even the other night I had to say to you, this, this is not you. This is not personal. I just am like totally spent. It's been a crazy couple of days. I just probably <laughs> shouldn't talk tonight. <laughs> you literally but said I think that. sometimes you have to say that. Well, I mean, but practically for us, something that's very helpful because hopefully this is also practical in Philadelphia. Yeah. I want to hear what you guys, your, your thoughts on this real quick. Um, the one practical thing that comes to mind that is, yes, I think it's finding ways to reset. I know for you, that's taking a bath as an example. Like it's like this, this magical time where no one's allowed to interrupt you. Not anymore though. The girls have discovered that they want to come and stick their feet in the bath, which is what I did for you. But literally the minute I got in the bath last night, Sloan's pounding on the door. It's locked. All the other kids have figured out how to unlock it with their fingernail. She hasn't figured it out yet. So she's just, mommy, I need to ask you a question. I need to put my feet in the bath. (laughs) It's not currently working. I didn't know. I I I was cleaning the kitchen when that happened, but. Uh, yeah, so that that's one example. But then I I also think when it comes to like if you are overstimulated or overtouched and you're like saying I don't tonight like or today I'm not able to be intimate. I'm just not there. I think something that is also very helpful is talking about when you can have that time because mm-hmm. I think that is something that I know we do that is actually very helpful. Even for me, not feeling you, you know you're saying hey I know it's not you. I'm just really exhausted and I'm I'm feeling very overwhelmed from today. And I know that it helps me knowing like, oh, this isn't like, is this going to go on for weeks or months? Like, especially as a man, that's mm-hmm. very, you know, I think that's where your mind can go. I think some, some people would be like, yeah, when our kids are like five, we'll get back into this. But, <laughs> but, I, but that's not realistic. That's not even good for your marriage. So I just think even that's helpful is not mm-hmm. only finding your way of being able to reset, but then also the other piece of mm-hmm. having a coming back to the conversation when can you connect. You are enjoying content brought to you by Intentional, a crowdfunded nonprofit that desires to help families and marriages all around the world in the area of discipleship and spiritual formation. This offering is completely free thanks to the generosity of our growing community of Legacy Builders. Legacy Builders is a group of people from all around the world that give monthly to fuel this dream that we have in our hearts of seeing discipleship to Jesus in the family become a way of life. A monthly gift of $5, $10, or even $30 can continue to fuel this ministry forward. Our dream is to invite people like you to join and partner with us at a financial level and see this work integrated into families. So as you listen to this podcast, would you prayerfully consider joining us? Would you allow the Spirit to lead you, even if it's just to a few dollars a month? Thank you so much, and may the Spirit of Jesus give you wisdom, clarity, and joy as you pray about joining us. And if you want to join today, go to intentionalparents.org and click on Give. So, Diane, Phil, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm writing down like a whole list of thoughts here. Um, Phil, it looks like you are 
riffling through your Bible. No, yeah, I have a verse. scripture, but but I think you should. Yeah, Dan, what are your thoughts? You share your thoughts. Okay. I'll share a scripture when you. Okay, ready. so um, having been there, yeah, with four kids and all of life's emergencies and stressors, and you know, I totally understand what you're saying, Elizabeth. The connectivity now on the phones mm-hmm. is a whole nother stress on relationships because mm-hmm. we feel like we have to be on our phones. We feel like we need to be checking our phones mm-hmm. constantly in mm-hmm. case somebody's texting us that we have to get right back to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to change our mindset with that uh, as far as that goes be, to be less accessible yeah. to, um, to maybe some of those um, more superficial relationships that nonetheless just take more and more of attention. You only have so much attention Mm-hmm. to be able to give so it's really up to us as men and women i think to to guard that a little mm-hmm. bit and i don't mm-hmm. think that's a female or male thing i think men also come home and um zone out quite mm-hmm. often because they've just been sol- solving problems yes. all day long <laughs> and they come home to you know children are can yeah. be seen sometimes as problems to be solved because oh, they they just create all in, these problems. Just in parenting, you know? in gen- just to have sharpness to be able to handle with wisdom and discernment and calmness mm-hmm. and all that each different problem. Yeah. yeah. So I I, I just right. this verse popped into my head because it just seems to be constantly speaking to me lately out of First Thessalonians chapter four. Um, first of all, you back up to. Verse 9, and um, Paul is talking to these Thessalonians about how he doesn't even need to remind them to about Christian love, what it means to love others, because they're such loving people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, your love is already strong. So think about this in the context of they were loving other Christians. We're talking about loving our spouses well enough to be really always open hearted to each other Mm -hmm. and thinking of each other. And then immediately goes into, uh, he says, uh, let's see, even so, dear brothers and sisters, we beg you to love them more and more. So Mm -hmm. even more, we just increase in love. That should characterize our marriages. Mm -hmm. Rarely does. But it should, we we should be increasing in love for each other. And then verse 11, which we like to quote completely out of context, but the context is, are we giving more and more love? This should be your ambition, to live a quiet life, minding your own business (laughs) and working with your hands just as we commanded you before. Isn't that amazing? That's the context. So we have to quiet our lives. Hmm. that's just in every way possible that means that we're not going to do all the things we're not going to we're going to say no just because we just need more margin our lives so that we can love each other really well so that's conceptual i think the practical is that means deleting your instagram Mm -hmm. that means not answering texts that can be answered Mm -hmm. another day at another time maybe not even checking your phone all the time. Um, but as far as relationally goes, I think there's a lot men can do to enable their wives in those demanding seasons, years, yeah. seasons yeah. of yeah. life so that they don't just become another demand on their wife. Um, because that's mm-hmm. what a lot of um, husbands can feel like to their wives at times. It's like a bigger, Phil, louder kid. What is she saying? Is she saying? I don't know. More. I can't wait to see what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> she just called me a bigger burden than even children. I, I can't see where she's going with this. I said, I said can be. Well, but what, what would be your was. best experience of this wisdom? Where did it come from? Okay, well, we, we don't need to get that personal here. So a couple of things that I would recommend. And to husbands who find themselves coming home to this exhausted wife who has nothing left to give physically and emotionally to the relationship. Number one, be a giver, not a taker. During these years of your kid's life, you need to on your way home or on your way out of the home office, stop a second and ask yourself, what does my wife need from me? How can I give to her? Because she's all given out by the end of the day. Um, in many cases, she's the one putting dinner on, not always. Um, be a giver. 
Who is giving into your wife's life? Usually the answer to that question is nobody. Hmm. For many years, at least yeah. a decade, sometimes a couple of decades of a woman's life, there's nobody intentionally giving into her life. And there's a bunch of little ones taking from her life. Hmm. And so you don't want to be the husband who is taking. You want to be the husband who's giving into her life. And that means verbal affirmation. That means help. I think the love language of every mom is help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Empty the dishwasher. Remember I told mm -hmm. you once, Phil, that was like the sexiest thing that you could do to me. And he's been emptying the dishwasher ever since. Still Not a boy, Phil. <laughs> Not a boy. I emptied. Morning. We have a but new dishwasher that's a double. I emptied both of them this morning. <laughs> that's right. Oh, wow. Two, that's like double points. I cannot believe it. <laughs> the romance. Um, uh, <laughs> learn what is her love language at this stage of life. And I think it is for most most uh, women private with kids time, at home. Don't touch me, help me, leave me alone. <laughs> yes, like, why yes. are we married? This is a weird <laughs> right. I think also that women forget how much they need to be held. Held not in do something for me, but just the physical sensation of having somebody with their arms all the way around you, skin to skin holding you tight. I think women forget how much they need it until they receive that hmm. just to be held. And the fact is, if your mind is, I'm just holding my wife because I see that she just needs to be poured into with nothing demanded. A, if you have a good relationship, a woman instinctively at being held wants more sexual intimacy. It's yeah. just, it comes yeah. just like without even, if you have a good relationship, a good sexual relationship, then it just comes more naturally at that point. Yeah. And, and women sometimes, because they're so given out, they just forget, we forget our need for sexual release as well. Mm. So I think non-sexual touch holding each other close maybe even yeah. is just a habitual thing you go to bed at the same time you hold each other for a little while i think those are important things yeah. those are really important parts of reminding a woman that she's a woman first of all hmm. she's a mother for certain years of her life i mean you're always a mom but yeah actively mothering for certain years of your life but for but you're a woman for your whole life long mm -hmm. And then I would also in, say invest in making her feel beautiful, whatever that means. Hmm. Um, and every woman is different yeah. in the way she expresses her feminine beauty. But that is that should be a big budget item. That should be important to you because we lose touch. As, as moms, we lose touch sometimes of our femininity and our own way of expressing that. And we... We self-sacrifice almost mm -hmm. naturally, mm -hmm. and then we have nothing. Then we are incapable of giving that more and more love. Yeah, so that's great. I really, I love, I love the practical points, and uh, we have a bunch more questions. But do you want to? You have mm -hmm. a verse to share yeah, before yeah, we I'll, move I'll on. Share. Really. I, but it's interesting. <laughs> Some of the stuff she just shared, we yeah. we were privileged to hear when we were engaged. Mm -hmm. So we oh, had wow. a, a couple that was older yeah. than us, by you know six, seven, eight years, had little kids who had been with Campus Crusade for Christ. And as our wedding present, took us to what was called the Engaged Couples Conference, which is now the Family Life Conference. Uh -huh. And so, you know, there was a session just for the women, a yeah. session for the men, sessions together. But I remember um, a couple of things. They said, generally speaking, men are aroused by sight, women are aroused by touch. And yeah. so, uh, and and uh, non-sexual touching. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, I remember the guy saying, you know, you're going to have a budget, but have an unlimited budget for lingerie. <laughs> and every guy was yeah. like, yeah, you know, but uh, we, we were taught some of these things way back yeah. uh, years ago. You know, mm -hmm. we got married in 1978. Um, I just wanted to, I don't really have anything to add except to state the obvious that raising children is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Yeah. And it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. But you can't do it in your own strength. Yeah. And there, there is a death to the self-life when it comes to parenting. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. You quoted from 1 Thessalonians 4. I was in 1 Thessalonians 2. Uh, 
there, Paul uses an analogy of a mother and a father here. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I preached a sermon on this once. I just called it as a mother, like a father. But he's saying in uh, verse 7 of 1 Thessalonians 2, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. We're talking about how kids can demand so much. Yeah. But instead, we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much. There's a love you're talking about that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives, too. So, yeah. so Paul is saying we lay down our lives for you. And so like a good mother does. Hmm. And then Diane's talking about the husband looking for ways to encourage his wife and help her. And then he says later, we pleaded with you, encouraged you and urged you to live lives in a way that God would consider worthy. And he said, as a, you know, that we treated you just as a father treats his own children. Yeah, yeah. We urged you, we pleaded with you, we encouraged you. So I feel I like that. there's, um, there's a, there's a, there's a death to to the self life for a mother and a father. Yes, uh, just yeah. as there's a death to the self life if you're going to serve Jesus. And so, basically, uh, I guess what I want to say is to this mom, it's probably a yeah. mom who's asking this. Yeah. Say, yeah, yeah, it's okay. This is hard. It's okay to acknowledge that, and you need to ask Jesus for help and strength, and mm. and then you know talk to talk about it as talk a couple. And Love. and the intimacy piece is huge because you know you mentioned that First Corinthians seven says yes. come together often lest Satan tempt you yes. unless by agreement you abstain for the purpose of prayer. So in other words, if you agree together to abstain for a period of time, that's fine. But come together often lest Satan mm. tempt you. And so, yeah, it's dangerous if a couple lays the whole physical relationship aside. Um, Absolutely, it, it increases I, temptation. Who was it that said? A couple that lays together stays together. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs> you don't have to say it. I'm just saying I've heard that before. And I've I think never it's heard a, that. It's a biblical principle. That's exactly what you it just is. said. I'm just saying it in a way that everybody can remember. So get a new tattoo ideas. A couple that lays together stays together. Um, here's the second one. Um, and thank you for whoever asked that question. I'm sure you probably weren't looking for or, or knowing that you might get that much of a response. But I actually think that. It's not a small thing. And so thank yeah. you guys for uh, engaging with that. The next one, and I think this is a, a very felt thing, at least for me, I think for our family, is how not to parent out of shame. How do we not parent out of shame? I have a couple thoughts real quick. So while you guys are stirring, I can I can give you a couple. But um, recently uh, I was connected to the reality that, and I think a lot of us do this, uh, but connected to the reality that a lot of the times we have these inner expectations of ourselves. And some of this is is actually good. Some expectations on ourselves is good. But there's a lot of times like in the arena of uh, exercise, like you say, oh, I, I should do that. I should mm-hmm. do that. That'd be, mm-hmm. it's good. I need to, but like maybe you're emotionally, physically drained and yeah. you know that, man, I just feel like I have nothing in it, in in me today to do that. So you, you kind of basically shame yourself and go, you should be doing this. Why aren't you mm-hmm. doing this? You're a better person. You should, you should do that. And so I remember feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm unintentionally in those moments, shaming myself into doing the thing that I think is the best to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not very kind to myself. I'm pretty, yeah. and most people are not very kind to themselves. We're pretty harsh. Mm-hmm. Like you should be mm-hmm. better. You should do this. Um, and I'm not against the idea of having high morals and high standards or integrity. I am saying though, that there's an inner dialogue that I think we live from in that space and it comes out in our parenting. At least I know it can for me easily. And you should be better. You like how many times like, you know, better than this, right? We say that to our kids Mm -hmm. and that's a really hard space to be. And so I would just say something that I've been learning even as of recently is instead of, uh, I should, and you should be better do this living from a place of I get to, or I want to mm-hmm. meaning like I get to be the, these, these, uh, kids dad, I get mm-hmm. to be that. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? I, I don't love the idea of running, but I want that right I want the results mm-hmm. of that. And I know that might sound simple, but as far as from a place internally living, because it's always what ends up happening is especially <coughs> in parenting is the kids just bring out the inner world, at least from mm-hmm. my experience, they bring out all the stuff that I'm aware of and all this, if I'm not aware of, would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Like, and so I think when I'm feeling that narrative for me, I often parent out of shame and um, shame is really destructive and it's really hard. So any other thoughts on that? I know that that's an interesting question and I think a good one. 
of how mm-hmm. we can, how do we not parent well, from a place of shame? You're bringing up like being aware of the own shame, your, your own shame, the shame you feel. Because often when we're shaming others, it's because we feel shame ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I was just listening to, and I think it's just a great resource to point out. There's a book called The Soul of Shame by um, Kurt Thompson. Yeah, I've been I think reading you've it. been reading it. I have been. But I came across a podcast that he did. Oh, yeah, that's right. And um, he talks about all sorts of stuff, but they did an entire season on his book, The Soul of Shame. So I've listened to probably half of it. And he just has some amazing stuff in there about how common it is that we all are trying to escape shame, basically. And all the things we do, anyway, it's well worth your time. But I think it is important to point out because I think oftentimes I can feel like, gosh, if I'm coming down hard on my kids about something, I don't want them to feel like I'm shaming them, but yet I have to be able to correct them. And, you know, we know conviction from the Holy Spirit is good. And I had somebody explain to me, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I think it's just always a good refresher that there's a difference between guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Yes. And guilt says, I did something bad. Mm-hmm. Shame says I am bad. Yeah. And it is okay to point out to our kids, hey, you made a bad choice. What are we always saying? You're not bad. You made a bad choice. Everybody makes bad choices. Mm-hmm. It's what we do with our bad choices that really makes the big difference mm-hmm. relationally. And if we then experience shame from that. And so I think just being aware of that and even just aware of, I mean, how often do we use shaming tones and facial expressions Mm -hmm. really to try to control our kids? I do it all the time, like far more often than I, I mean, what is it? We joke around like all my mom has to do is give me the look. Mm -hmm. Well, the look is shameful. Shame on you for doing what you're doing. And the reality is we're going to unintentionally blow it. And I have some kids that are more sensitive to shame. One who has like great language about it. She will say, stop shaming me. Mm-hmm. And then I have to uncover with her, what are you feeling right now? Are you feeling shame or are you feeling guilt? You know, but I think even giving our kids a language mm-hmm. to all of that yeah. when, when they, and asking them, am I unintentionally making you feel a lot of shame right now? Mm-hmm. Are you feeling shame? Mm-hmm. Cause that's not my intention. Yeah. I'm just trying to parent you through this choice you made, (laughs) you know, you're trying to be corrective and training and yeah. And shame leaks into our tone of voice. And I think at, we all know this, but at all costs, avoiding any of that, I can't believe you did that. And if you do say that, because we're going to blow it and Uh our tongue gets into a lot of trouble, go back Mm -hmm. and say, I'm so sorry that I attacked your character like that. That wasn't right of me. I was upset. I didn't know how to, I mean, how many times are we saying with our older two right now? I didn't know how to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. I don't, I've never had a teenager That's before or, you know, so forgive me for oh, doing yeah. it that way. I don't know the right way to do, but I know that that oh, wasn't pra- the right practically way. Practically we've had, yeah, there, I had to, I had to, even with uh, one of our kids the other day just had to basically be like, okay, well, I know that you need some intensity and I, and meaning like you're, you're pushing back really hard. So I'm pushing back. Cause we have that tendency when our kids rear their intensity, we often, okay, like go toe to toe, I will win. You know, you kind of feel that internally, but that's not the most effective way to go, obviously. And, and I, like, I remember telling Elizabeth just the other day, I was like, okay, I've just made this decision. I, I'm, I'm not going to match with intensity. I I hate it. I hate it. Like, I don't like Mm -hmm. it internally, but I also hate what it creates. And it's not really as effective as if you're just like able to calmly say, I understand that you're freaking out. You don't like what we're talking about, but here's the deal. This is the decision we're making. If you don't like that decision, I understand, but that is what's happening. And I love you. I'm here to talk with you through it as you process, but I'm not going to like engage with you in this space like this. And I found for me personally, that's just one way of like helping me not get to that space where I'm unintentionally living out of shame or shaming, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. Diane, you have something, uh, you have your, your finger on an, on a note on your Bible. Well, yes, you know, as soon as you started talking about shame, it brought to my mind some things that I feel like I've learned along the years um, that that I think a lot of time the shaming we do to ourselves, like you were talking about, leaks yeah. out then in the same kind of shame mm-hmm. language that we use on our kids or mm-hmm. emo- emotional expressions. But I think if we go back even further 
And that much shaming in our homes to ourselves, to our children, starts with what Matthew um, chapter 7, in Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addressed our judging of others. Mm. And judging is, is a form of deciding a person needs that shame or deserves mm. that shame. And, um, That's true. you know, I, I think it starts if, the, if there's a home that is in the practice of criticizing other people because they're not exactly like you, mm-hmm. they don't dress like you, they don't do their hair like you, they don't work as hard as you, they um, don't keep their house as tidy as you keep your house, whatever it is, you know, and you are judging people because they are not exactly like you, mm. you are creating a culture of shame. It means mm. that there is one right way to please God and do life. Mm-hmm. And I think you see this quite often in homes of that grew up with um, alcoholism or, or extreme trauma in the home. Out of that comes a parent who lifts themselves up by their bootstraps, so to speak, and they sometimes have a method down. If you live this way, you are never going yes. to experience yeah. some of that trauma. And and that turns a very good thing, in a sense, into something that harms the next generation. Mm-hmm. And so I think the first thing we need to do is ask Jesus to begin to root out our judgments of others. Can I say something on that, mm-hmm. on the verse, just because you're saying mm-hmm. that I was literally reading Romans 2 this morning. Okay. And verse 1 is, no matter who you are, before you judge the wickedness of others, you'd better remember this. You are without excuse, yeah. for you two are guilty of the same kind of things. Yes. And when you judge others and then do the same things they do, you condemn yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting. So, to what you're it saying, is. you end up condemning yourself. Your the very thing that you are trying to not do, or say we're not going to be this way. You end up mm-hmm. doing. You do. It's an interesting dynamic. You do. That's a really instead interesting thing. the opposite of being judgmental. Then is compassion, yes. having a compassionate heart and a humble heart. Yeah, I you know just because I'm good in this area doesn't mean that. You know, I'm a more favorable person. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's um, so common in Christian circles, Mm -hmm. honestly, because Mm -hmm. we make moral judgments, because we need to be making moral judgments. And we let those seep into even judgments that have to do more with just how we move in the world. Yes. Mm -hmm. Instead of seeing the beauty of everybody's uniqueness, Mm. and we we compare ourselves often favorably to somebody's uh, weaknesses or the things they're not as good at us about. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to... uh, Barry, who was on the podcast, my therapist, yeah. and more people keep on trying to <laughs> to sign up with him. It keeps killing me. Like he keeps getting calls. He's like, I I don't have any more space. I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I just wanted to have a conversation with you, but <laughs> he's so sweet. He we had this conversation about this, and it literally okay. about how, and we mentioned it in the episode that we had that basically I see shame being a control mechanism specifically in Christian circles, mm-hmm. and he actually he's like, I know we started talking about that and didn't didn't get to finish, but I do have some thoughts on that. So I was like in our in our session i was like tell me what you're talking about like what Mm -hmm. do you mean because i want to know and he was talking about uh performance-based acceptance okay and basically that we have this level in our faith that we feel like we have to perform in order to be accepted Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. really not the gospel it's that you are accepted and -hmm. you are loved just as you are without any of your performances Mm -hmm. and and really, you know, it's 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 a grace issue. It's us it's us saying that we understand grace, but not living as if we yeah. do. And yes. even the yeah. shame thing, that's the same deal in many ways. Mm-hmm. That we we say that we're living from grace, but in reality we're not. We're living from yeah. this performance based acceptance. So I just thought that was an interesting we'll we'll talk with him more and also have more conversations about that. But just a little insight to the yeah. Christian world and how that ends up working. We we have a responsibility to be okay with ourselves with meaning with Jesus. Like we yeah. are we've been bought with the price. We are loved we are redeemed we are accepted we don't have mm-hmm. to do these works of and speaking mm-hmm. kindly to ourselves instead yeah. of 
even judging ourselves, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. um, our judgment of others comes back to bite us in that yes. then we are hard on ourselves. Yes. And then yes, our yes. children start picking up on all that shame, mm-hmm. even though we're supposedly saying all the right things, but yep. they hear it. They, they do. hear it all. They absolutely So do. maybe a grace-filled home is a home in which there's, there's rarely heard criticism of others who are not you know i i mean i think we we have to criticize each other sometimes we have to correct each other sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um to just be making those comments about other people who don't have it together (laughs) in the areas we have it together that's just well and this will be especially prevalent in four days when you're sitting with people at christmas or around the table it will be very easy To, to yes. be like, oh gosh, my cousin, she really does stuff in a weird way. Really? Like I get, yes. and, you know, like behind the scenes, just like, yeah. what in the world's up with them? And I don't know what it, every, but every family has their own, yeah, you know, version family. of it. But, but I think, yeah, even in that, I think you're yeah. right to even in the next couple of days, if you can go into it with the perspective of God, like give me yeah. that, that perspective. And if you're enjoying this content and you want to go deeper, we have an amazing resource that we want to tell you about. It's the intentional film series, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. Now, this is an incredible tool for you for spiritual formation in the family. And we created this film series to help parents in their God-given task to raise and disciple their own children. Now, our hope is that we're able to help you and give you some of the tools that I know we so desperately need as we're in the process of raising our kids and Phil and Diane have actually raised their kids. This is a nine session film series on the process of what raising a passionate Jesus follower actually looks like. There's some workable solutions in here. There's a bunch of wisdom from the scriptures, and there's a bunch of practical help in your journey as you are raising your children. We cover all sorts of things like parental roles, goals versus values. What is discipline versus punishment? How do I create a heart of obedience in my child where they actually want to obey? What is a heart of self-control look like? Or how do I even help my child in the process of character development? We cover that and so many more things. You can use this film series in a variety of ways. You can use it at your home, preferably with your spouse, if that's applicable, with a group of friends or in your community, or even through your local church. All you need to do is head over to our website, intentionalparents.org, click on film series, and then follow the prompts. We have a bunch of other resources there that you can check out, but we do pray that this blesses you in your pursuit of raising passionate Jesus followers. That's yeah. interesting. Phil, what do you, what do you have right over there? Oh, I, I just have one, one little thought, you know, without, without actually talking to the person who asked this question and yes. asking a few more questions, of course, you're not sure what's behind it. So I heard the question a little differently when yeah, you said, yeah. how Give do you parent out of shame? I mean, like the parent is feeling shame. And I just wanted to pick up on what Elizabeth said. It's, it's, it's important to discern the difference. Is it shame or is it guilt? Because, um, yes. it could be the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It could be a mom's feeling shame because she knows she should be doing certain things that she actually should be doing, but yeah. she's just, she knows she's just so, watching Netflix all the time. Or, and I have no idea if that's what's going on, but I, it just reminded me way back in Genesis three, where Adam and Eve hid from God. <laughs> they literally said, you know, it says the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. So, you know, you don't want to because of shame, pull away from the Lord. You need to go to the Lord with the shame and, and says, is this, is this the evil one? Like just making me feel like, you know, the horrible person Mm -hmm. trying to just defeat me or Mm -hmm. am I feeling some shame because God's trying to get my attention and convict Mm -hmm. me. Hey, don't hide from me. Come to me. And I want to talk to you about some of these things that, you know, deep in your soul as a follower of Jesus, yes. you want to do. Yeah. So I, I, that, I, that's my only thought. No, and well, thought. I think actually you, this is always where I love how you underplay how spiritual, uh, how spiritually aware you are and how intelligent you are. And you always like, it's not a big deal. What you just said is actually uh, amazingly important because even all the people that do all the research on shame that I, I know I've been reading, even this book, The Soul of Shame, which is a great book. Kurt Thompson, I know we want to have him on. We're, yeah. Kurt, if you're listening to this, or if you know Kurt, please uh, send him this. <laughs> uh, but we'll connect with him. But I, he even says there is a certain level. Like yes. if you're going into public and you're being really rude to your wife mm-hmm. and you're just belittling her because she didn't do something or whatever. He used that example. Mm-hmm. That's his, not mine. And 
He said, you should feel a certain level of internal shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, not, not all shame is bad. Not all yeah. shame yeah. is bad. And I think mm-hmm. that's another part is like, there's some of that, which is like you're mm-hmm. saying the conviction right. of the Holy Spirit. Like, response yeah. response to sin. Yeah, yeah. You should feel bad about not doing or, or doing that or maybe not doing omission or commission. So uh, anyway, I just want to highlight, you're very right about that. There's a certain level of okay. shame that is actually very motivating for mm-hmm. walking in godliness, doing what God's mm-hmm. calling you to do, being led by the Spirit. But so often, like what you said, and with Adam and Eve, it causes us to run and hide mm-hmm. from yes, God yes, yep. which and is then never feel good. like God is distant when really yeah. it's us who are yes, trying to clean ourselves up first. But I think just openly saying the like, yeah, I totally messed up in that area or I don't know how to do this stage of parenting and I don't feel like I'm doing it well. Like the enemy cannot have power when we're willing to speak things out Mm -hmm. into the light. Mm -hmm. And so how often are we operating out of shame without even being aware that we are? But I think if there's any level of awareness or if you're feeling yourself shaming your kids, just stopping and asking God, where am I feeling shame in my own life? Mm-hmm. Where am I feeling inadequate? Where am I feeling? Or oftentimes for me, when I find out, find that I'm unintentionally shaming my kids, but I can see it, it's op- because I'm operating out of fear. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid mm-hmm. that how they are responding to something or a particular pattern that is happening, I immediately start fear projecting out into, we're never going to be able to <laughs> be able to get a handle on this. And what if this becomes a part of their life? And what is what if this doesn't change in the next five years and I go crazy? <laughs> I mean, yeah. like I can snowball really quickly into shaming my kids because I'm actually afraid. Yeah. Or often, and I know there's, I'm not alone in this. I'm afraid about what other people might think of my parenting when they see my kids acting a certain way. Yes. And you add You're afraid that they're going to be judging you yes. and your worth based on your kids' yes. choices in the moment. Yeah, yeah. And then you add leading a parenting ministry on yeah. top of that and it oh, sure doesn't gosh. help. Yes. But, you know, I think just awareness, right? Like awareness yeah. is the first, it's not just the first step. It is one of the major steps. Mm-hmm towards actually being able to make a change. When you recognize that you're shaming your children, then you start to catch yourself when you're shaming your children. You start to be able to ask these questions. You start to be able to apologize versus when we can't even see it, then we can't do anything about it. And you asked my favorite question, Lord, what is this about? Yeah. Because that's where self-awareness really comes from. It's great to get self-awareness from all these personality tests and those things Mm -hmm. but the best is the holy spirit who knows you better than you know know, than you know yourself but he also knows how how god created you to be Mm -hmm. um and i think a lot of times those things that feel shaming to us and pull us away from god are actually invitations because the way God words mm. things to us is so much different through the vocabulary of grace. Mm-hmm. They are, die. I have this invitation for you in this area of your life. Yeah, Come, come out. Come with me and let me show you how to do it. this according to the way I made you to be. Mm-hmm. Rather than you should be doing this. You ought to be doing this. There's something wrong with you. If you just had more discipline, you would have had this house completely organized. That's always the, what I'm always thinking that way about you. <laughs> no. That is so the way I think. So you can yes. see with God, though, with the spirit, it's an invitation. Gentle, yeah. Die, come and be with me in this yes. and let me invade your space yes. and change the way that you move in this world according yes. to the way I created you to be. And that cannot help but spell over our children. Yes. Whether our kids are, are four or 14 or 40, mm-hmm. we still get to influence them on the things that God is inviting us to I do. I love mm-hmm. that. I love that. So I think when we feel shame, the wrong thing to do is try to hide because you can't hide from God. Yes. No. <laughs> I mean, Psalm yeah. says, where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the highest yep. heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths yes. of Sheol, you're there, right? Mm-hmm. And the, you're right. The beautiful story here when they did hide themselves mm-hmm. is God comes seeking them. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes oh, into yeah. the garden. So yeah. I've heard, you know, preachers say, what was God doing in the garden? Yes. He was seeking them. He That's knew right. that they'd sinned. Right. Yeah. Another interesting, uh, just looking at this right now, it, it, you know, we always say Eve took a bite of the apple. Well, it says here, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Yeah. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hit myself. So, um, you know, the, the, the man 
he goes to the man. He was responsible yes. for what happened as well. But the beautiful thing is he's, he seeks them yeah. in the garden. He comes to them. And so I think the Lord wants to come to us. And when we're feeling shame, the wrong thing mm. to do, we need to learn from this, is, is yeah. to try to hide, which is impossible. But like mm-hmm. you said, mm-hmm. come to the Lord. He's inviting you to come mm-hmm. and he wants to. Yep help you figure out what's really going on. He's always saying, come near, come near. And then he opens up our eyes to what's really going on. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing that you just said is he put the responsibility on the man. He did. And you know, it's really interesting reading over all of these questions and there's like seven or eight pages of questions. Just if anyone's curious about how many lots. And there's a theme that I've seen and it's wives being desperate. I'm just going to sum it up, but wives being desperate for their husbands to either one, share the load with them Mm -hmm. two, be a spiritual leader, or at least have a conversation about what that could look like. Uh, three being able to be present with their family and not, um, addicted to his whole Mm -hmm. other life of work. And then, uh, four, basically just general, like taking this whole thing seriously. So, that's not a question. That's an observation. And I just wanted to say, there is a lot of stuff going on in our world, especially when it comes to men and dads specifically not taking responsibility for their, they have a responsibility before God. And and what I find so interesting is men become overwhelmed. It's okay. The girls are, the girls are here. Girls say hi. Okay, good. They didn't say hi. Uh, The little ones. We said that they might interrupt. Right. Our our yeah. our kid is here too. Our dog. Yeah, but he kid, doesn't, he's he making lots of talk. Noise. His his little paws. He can make a lot of noise. So I the only thing I have to say about that, Brooke, is when are you and Phil and Andrew starting your dad's podcast? I keep hearing about this. Yes, it's a thing. Um. Well, yeah, I will make that more official at another time. But I do want to just say this is like I'm just seeing. So if there's any dads that are listening or if you're a wife listening and you want to give any part of this podcast to your husband, guys, it's really important that you figure out why this is so hard for you. It's really important. Yeah. Whether it is your own upbringing, your own sin, your own depression, your shame. own shame, your own uh, fear about not being able to know what to do. It is better to just attempt than to not try at all. It's better to attempt and fail than to not try at all. And I'm only saying this from a person that came from a deep deficit that that has to do the work to figure this out. I am not some like guy that's like every dad should just be the craziest best dad in the world. Like I hope that, but that is not I'm not I'm not like coming from a place of I had a great dad and I'm ready yeah. to do this and I'm ready to actually be able to, you know, make this make this a reality. Yeah. I've had to do so much work in this arena. So I'm just saying to the other guys who um, if you're willing to do the work, it will bless your family. It will bless your marriage. It'll mm-hmm. be something that when you are on your deathbed, you don't regret. You go, mm-hmm. no, like I actually uh, was able to do something with my life that was beyond it. Your work, I know it matters, men. Uh, your family is your greatest work. Your wife and your marriage and the example of that is your greatest work. And it will outlive you. It will be the mm-hmm. testimony of who you really are, not the amount of money you make, all that stuff. So Anyway, I'm ranting a little, but I just no, think I, I feel for my sisters that I'm reading this because I know that if I didn't have others that kind of lovingly just said, dude, wake up, uh, this really matters, I would be in a very similar spot, I think. So mm. anyway, I just that's an observation, and I think it's an important one to just say, as you are uh, parenting and doing this, wives and husbands, uh, do it together, be honest, and let us know how we can help. Um yeah. Another question that's nice and brief, and I know Phil had to step away for a second, so I'll remind him, but uh, parenting while de- dealing with deep grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, parenting while de- dealing with deep grief. This is, a, this is a hard one. I think, I know you and I definitely have some connection points with this, yeah. Elizabeth, of uh, when you're grieving a lot. Uh, the first thing I would just say is, like, good luck. <laughs> it is so, <laughs> it is like, it is not for the faint of heart. It is very intense. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. I would add grief with your kids. Invite yeah. yeah. your kids into your grief. It's not what I did. So when I was a young mom at 26, I was told I was gonna that I was going deaf by 30. Yeah. I was functionally deaf. So that's a whole story there. And I feel like what I did, because I felt like it was the right thing to do, was just to shield my parent, my children from my grief. Yeah. And the grief was real. I mean, I was losing my hearing very fast. Mm-hmm. 
disconnecting from the world very fast, terrified. And as, and my kids, when I was first diagnosed, were like young, six, let's see, like six, three, and Elizabeth was an infant when I was diagnosed. So over the next five years, I lost so much of my hearing, but I, I didn't talk to my kids about it. Mm. I only told them the good mm. part. I never, I never grieved with my kids. And I feel like that was a huge mistake. Um, mm. it, the mistake was mostly that I lost an opportunity to, um, to grieve with my children and to introduce them how to grieve well in yeah. their life because everybody has stuff. Yeah. Everybody mm -hmm. loses, loses yeah, there in will, this life. There will be some point in your life where yes. you have something deep to yes. grieve. And, you know, for a lot of people, a lot of people get the luxury of it being later, later in life when they maybe lose a parent or, but for a lot of people, it's way younger in oh, life. I think and of all the children life. who grieve the loss of, of their parents' marriage yes. Yes. and they're not, they're not invited into grieve with it. No. They're usually in, demanded that they take sides. So I wish that I'd seen that as an opportunity to, um, Hmm. To grieve with my kids and invite them because it, my it. loss of hearing affected my kids yeah. in significant ways and, yes. and their childhood in significant ways. They they needed an opportunity to be able to be sad about some of the yeah. some of those ways too. And so I'm hoping that I'm saying all that, Elizabeth, to set you up for all that you have been learning hmm. about grief. And we've talked about it a lot here. Yeah. But um I think um, it's important that you you then took took what my mistake and I feel like you turned it on its yeah. head and have been really open and honest with your kids about grief. Well, at first say I think that's the beauty of generation after generation of passionate Jesus followers yeah. of I don't look at how what what you were unable to give me and show me about grief at mm -hmm. that time as something to hold against you. Mm -hmm. I think I got to grow up in a home watching suffering happen, know mm -hmm. that suffering was real. And then when it hit my own life, I did feel like, oh my gosh, I have no idea how to grieve. Mm -hmm. But what's birthed out of that is, okay, my parents set me up for suffering. I had to learn how to grieve, which was super hard. And so I get to, st I get to start the process of setting my kids up for both mm -hmm. and then they get to go on and do more, you yep. know? And I actually feel like grieving has become like, it's like this life message that is birthing in me. It's like yeah. probably the <laughs> odd thing to be passionate about, but it's probably yeah. like the thing yes. I'm the most passionate yes. about is grieving and, and being honest about your emotions. And because it's so opposite to how I am naturally wired and it's something I had to learn how to do. But I think as soon as I saw this question, the first thing I jotted down was exactly what you said is don't hide it because it's yeah. actually a great gift to it your is. kids. Yeah. Not that you're going to bring your kids into your room every time you cry and you're no. going to make them grieve with you, but you don't want a whole lot of drama associated no, with it. No, yeah. but them, but being honest about Man, if, if it's a little a little kid and they see you crying, yeah, mommy's just really sad today. Mm -hmm. I really miss so and so. If you lost somebody, or I'm really having a hard time with this yeah. sickness. You know, for us and our family, it's been like these extreme illnesses that have mm -hmm. radically changed our family and our children. And then, um, and then experiencing death for the for not the first time. Like my grandparents have passed away and things like that, but. Brooke's dad passed away a year ago. And so walking our kids through mm -hmm. losing a grandparent young. Yes. Um, who they hadn't had a lot of time with. And um, so grief has been, I feel like one of the main themes of our home in the last six years. It's become, I love how Jerry Sitzer puts it. We mm -hmm. interviewed him if you, and I would highly recommend you go back and listen to the two-part episode. He talks a ton about grief and loss. Mm -hmm. um, and his book is incredible. But he says, grieving has become a way of life for me. Mm -hmm. And I think so often, especially in our culture, we think of grief as this like one-time event. We're sad for a little while after the thing happened, and then no. we go back to life as normal. Yeah. And there are some things that that, that can be true. Mm -hmm. But I think most losses and griefs 
are not that linear and they're not that simple. And more often than not, you have to think of yourself as returning to now a different life. Your life is not the same. And so I think just recognizing that the intense dark grief is very real and it's very overwhelming. The grief we experience soon after something happens. And it's usually 10 times longer than we ever thought it was going to be or want it to be. Mm-hmm. But you can't escape that darkness. Yeah. If you try, <clears throat> you will just experience it at some other time in your life. Yeah. Something else will happen or it yeah. will start to come out sideways in your parenting or in other relationships. Mm-hmm. You can't ex- escape it. And one of the most powerful things you can do is is when it begins to happen is just lean into it. Jerry Sitzer also talks about like, so often we are chasing the sunset. We're running from the darkness and chasing the sunset. If I can just get to being happy again, Mm -hmm. if I can just get to life as it was before. But he says, no, you have to turn around and step fully into the darkness. That is the only way through is is through, right Mm -hmm. through the darkness. Mm -hmm. And that is where I truly feel like we experience God the most Mm -hmm. when we invite Mm -hmm. him into it. Those deep, dark times that I never want to experience again have been the most powerful times with Jesus than any other time. It's the only way to get that type of intimacy with God, I feel like. Um, That's true. But Mm -hmm. I think those times while you're trying to simultaneously parent to what Brooke said, good luck. It's hard. Grief is like ambush. You think you're fine one minute and then you're completely not fine. And I think the more experience you get with it, the more you start to notice, you can at least recognize what's happening. Oh, I'm feeling intense grief right now. And I think the biggest thing you have to be is just gracious with yourself, Mm -hmm. patient with yourself, and honest with yourself. If that means you are just wiped out by grief that day and you're exhausted and you just need to lay on the bed with your kid Mm -hmm. while they, even while they watch a show and you're just laying next to them, be with them, you know, that's okay. That's real. And then I think too, so often I know I was afraid of facing the darkness fully because I was so afraid I'd get stuck there, that I would just become this like sad all the time, Mm -hmm. bitter, angry, that if I let myself feel the anger, I would only ever be angry. Mm -hmm. But the opposite is true. You don't, when you're willing to step fully into it, you don't actually stay there. It's not that the grief goes away, but you begin to carry it more lightly. It Mm -hmm. begins to not feel as dark, it begins to be something that comes in waves versus something you live in mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. But I think just to back to what you said, mom, of just doing that honestly with our children mm-hmm. and acknowledging your sadness and your grief, using those words, I'm sad, I'm grieving. Mm-hmm. I noticed myself feeling really angry and I think I'm grieving. Like yeah. that, if we can give that language yeah. to our kids that they can be sad and it doesn't have to be immediately fixed. I think that is a really great gift that we can give our kids. And remember, I mean, this is the whole season, right? When the angel came and, and told Mary what the, to name her child, he would be called Emmanuel, mm-hmm. which means God with, God with us. us. So if we can actually learn to grieve with God, yeah. then that grief does like surgically precise work in our souls. Mm-hmm. And we come out the other side still grieving, mm-hmm. still with the sadness of loss yeah. that should not have been yeah. because this is not the way the world is supposed to be. It was created to be. Yeah. We are created for Eden. So the very fact that there is death, there is divorce, there is rejection, there are addictions and all the things mm-hmm. that grieve us. Um, we are not made for this. Of course mm-hmm. we fall apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. we are made to do life completely in the garden with God. Yeah. So the closest we can get now is the John 15 abiding as mm-hmm. we're abiding with him in our grief. Yeah. He will actually spill treasures from the darkness onto yes. our children at the same time. Trying yeah. to do it on your own or on your own, but with a therapist will get you a little ways, but on with in community as a family and with God, there were there are treasures to be found there. Does mm-hmm. it make the hard things okay? No, no, there's still hard things, but 
his being with us, his being Emmanuel, coming as a helpless baby, is everything. Mm -hmm. It's It's just so true. And I can't imagine how Mary must have felt, you know, just was kind of a Christmas episode. We're talking about grief. But, you know, in Luke 2, which we read from earlier, here's Mary. She's got this 40-day-old little boy, mm-hmm. and all these amazing things are being said to her. But then all of a sudden, Simeon says, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul Yes, mm-hmm. to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. That's a prophetic word there. This yeah. child, you're going to hurt. There's going to be pain. There's going to be grief. Right. This is the mother yeah. of the Messiah. But what you're saying is grieve with God. You know, First Thessalonians seems to be the book today. You read your thing about make it your ambition yeah. to lead a quiet life. Well, two verses later, it says to believers that you may not grieve as do the rest mm-hmm. who have no hope. Right. So, mm-hmm. so it's grief is horrible, and I, I'm not one to speak much about it because, you know, I haven't suffered like many have suffered. I don't. I mean, we all suffer, but there's suffering, small s and suffering, capital S. I don't feel like I'm qualified, except I want to say that with Jesus, there's hope yes. because there's a coming kingdom and Eden mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. going to be restored in mm-hmm. the garden-like city in Revelation. And that's what this is right here. It says, but think of those who have yet to come to Jesus and the grief mm-hmm. that they're experiencing and they can't, they don't know mm-hmm. the Lord, so they can't come to the Lord. So as followers of Jesus, it says right here, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. In other words, we still have hope. Mm-hmm. And the hope is the coming of Christ. You know, mm-hmm. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven. We're going to be caught up together to meet him in the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these yes. words. So I feel like we we can comfort. It's wrong to just say, hey, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about that. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, Elizabeth, as I watch you grieve, Jesus is at the center of the Moser home. Mm. Yeah. So they know that Jesus is coming. They know that there's a coming kingdom. They know this is a broken world. And I think you can hurt and you can grieve and you can deal with all the emotions that come in the presence of the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. And I think that's something we have to teach our kids. Mary had Mm -hmm. to learn it with the 40, Mm -hmm. you know, she probably already knew it. I mean, she must have been an amazing young woman when you read the Magnificat and the the scripture she's quoting. It's not exactly what you want to hear. It's not what you want to hear. Baby shower. No, it's your baby dedication. sword will pierce your your very soul. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. And yet she's lifted up (laughs) among women. Mm -hmm. Blessed art thou among women, the angel said. So it's amazing. Well, the the last thing I'll say on that before we close is, you know, also on the, the idea of grief is, is grief you know, takes a lot of, a lot of energy. It's very exhausting. And so it's one of those things that we have to remember that, you know, it takes time, it takes energy. It's a very long ongoing process. So the girls are coming in now. Girls, are you ready for lunch? Yes, they're going to eat lunch. Um, thank you for tuning in today and taking a second and we're going to get some more of your questions. I do promise, but, uh, we'll just say it one more time. Just as we go, we'll say, we'll say Merry Christmas. Or what are you going to say? You're going to say, I was going to say, I was ready to shout out Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we'll just do it together. Have a wonderful holiday. One, two, three. Merry Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families.